Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. On today's episode, we have Caitlin Carlson. She is on Instagram, known as Caitlin Carlson. She deals with scoliosis from the mental and emotional aspects and the well-being of taking scoliosis on. She went to the SRS conference in Spain, and I am just super excited to hear about that and super jealous. But she's here to tell us her journey about scoliosis from the time she was diagnosed up until the present. So Caitlin, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. It is such a joy to be here. And I just really appreciate everything that you are doing for this community. And thank you. It's an honor to be here and to be able to share my story. Uh, So thank you so much. Of course, of course. Would you please um, share with us from the time? how, How old were you when you were diagnosed? Yeah, so I'm not really sure <laughs> because my father is a chiropractor, so it feels okay. like something that I've always known about. Okay. Um, I think the earliest x-ray that I have my hands on is from when I was five and there's a bit of a curvature on that x-ray, mm-hmm. but it's always been something that has been a part of my awareness. So I don't have a memory of actually getting diagnosed. It's just something I've always known about. Um, When I was 12, it was clear that my scoliosis was progressing to the point of needing some extra support. So that's when I got fitted for my first back brace, um, which was, you know, that's something that you don't forget, right? Yeah. yeah. And the week that I got my brace was definitely a very, very challenging week. And the whole the whole way that it turned my life inside out was, was huge for me. Um, I had to be on a special diet. I was told I was going to need to go to the chiropractor three times a week. Um, I had to do all sorts of different exercises. I had to take baths with like baking soda, (laughs) which I'm still not sure what any of, I'm not sure with all, what a lot of these things were supposed to do. Um, the point is it was a lot and it wasn't just 20 hours on a brace every day. It was all the exercises that I had to do. It was changing the diet. It was, I wasn't allowed to play as many sports as I was playing anymore because I had to be in the brace for so many hours. And it was just a complete, um, shift to my whole life. So that was a pretty devastating, um, moment on top of the pain of the, the physical brace, mm-hmm. you know. How old were you when this was happening? Twelve. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you don't know at that time what your curves were. Um, 
they were yeah they were somewhere like my lumbar curve is the biggest one um and it was I think in the 30s okay so it was like I was heading towards needing surgery and my parents were trying to do what they could to stop that from happening okay um I also don't have a memory of being a part of the conversation about you know, like, um, do I want to have surgery or do I want to be in a brace or what is it that I want to do? It was just sort of like, this is what we're doing. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's at least how I remember it. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the first year that I was in the brace, I did everything like to the T and there was some, um, uh, major progress made with my curves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that it sort of tapered off but I continued to wear the brace the hard brace I had I went through like two of them maybe three of them Um, I wore that until I was about 16 and then I got one of those strappy braces that I wore basically until I finished high school okay what times what years was this about from the time I was 12 to 18 2000 2000 let's see I was 12 in 2001 Okay. To 2007. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And nobody talked to you. So with the exercises, I just want to step back for a second. Mm-hmm. The exercises, it wasn't Schroth based. No, 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 no. Okay. No. I don't, okay. I had not even heard of Schroth until like five or six years ago. And then I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this is so amazing. Yeah. And where was this when I was growing up? And then I came to realize that actually it wasn't even, I don't think it was available in the U.S., at the time that I was wearing a brace. Yeah, it was introduced, I think, in 2006. Yeah, right. So I just missed missed okay. the window. Okay. Yeah. All right, sorry. I just, so continue. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So the exercises, I don't, I don't know exactly where, what they were based in or where they came from or okay. why. <laughs> I just know that it was a lot, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And then, so I graduated high school. Well, I guess we can back up because what to me was so huge about my experience with my brace is how it changed my relationship to myself and how I felt at school and with my family and with my friends. And that it wasn't just this thing that was about my body or about my spine mm-hmm. or even about the brace. It was how um, suddenly I went from being a very confident kid that was running for class president to wanting to sit in the back of the classroom and never raise my hand and never wanting to be seen and, um, not wanting to talk to people and just feeling like so ashamed and so embarrassed and so isolated and alone with this diagnosis and with what I was experiencing And even though a lot of my friends were really supportive and I, luckily I had uh, my best friend growing up, her mom had worn a back brace and Milwaukee brace when she was a kid. And so just knowing her, yeah, (laughs) knowing her was huge for me, you know, to be able, absolutely, you know, being able to see this adult woman who was happy and thriving and to know, wow, like she went through this and she made it to the other side. Like, I am so glad that I had an example of that in my life. But even with all of that, it just felt like, wow, like I have to do all these things. And in the midst of doing all this care for my back, like so much of who I am 
is not being acknowledged, not being seen, not being heard. I'm just this body that feels like everyone's trying to fix and manipulate and control. Mm -hmm. And, and this is really impacting how I feel about myself and what I'm able to do at school and how my relationships with my friends are going and everything. Um, so yeah, then I, I went off to school um, and I took this course in college called Disease in American Culture. And my professor really broke down how the whole mind-body connection works and how our emotions are held in the body and how when we don't process our emotions, they can manifest as certain illnesses. And this was the first time that I had ever heard anything like this, you know? Um, and it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. And because I was dealing with other health related issues beyond right. just scoliosis. So I got super curious about, you know, like, um, all the different things, all the different stories, all the different uh, feelings that I was having and how they were relating to different things that were happening in my body. And that just opened up this whole world for me. Um, and by the time I was graduating college, I, uh, I had this sensation and I talk about this on my website. And I think it's, I think it's, I love sharing this piece of my story because it feels so important um, as a part of my own awakening to how deeply connected our body is to our um, feelings and our past experiences and everything. But I was graduating school and um, working on my thesis and I was just like really passionate about what I was creating and what I was doing. And I got to this point where I was like, I couldn't go to sleep at night because it felt like my body was like, you're forgetting something, you're forgetting something. And I was like, what am I forgetting? I don't know. I don't know what I could be forgetting, but I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep. And so then it became like weeks of sleepless nights. Um, and I even took myself to the doctor and I was like, what's going on with me? And they're like, it's probably just stress. And I was like, I don't know. Like, it feels like more than just stress. Mm -hmm. Um, and then one night I just had this aha moment, like, oh my gosh, I feel like that thing that I'm forgetting is the sensation of having to put my brace back on at night before I go to bed. And I was like, whoa, you know, like I haven't worn this hard back brace in years, mm -hmm. but I'm having this very visceral, very felt, very alive, very present mm -hmm. sensation of needing to put this thing back on that I wore every day for years. And like I had a little timer that told me when my four hours were up and I needed to put it on before I went to bed. Right. Okay. Wow. So yeah, it was huge. It was huge for me. And I was, I just, it was so it was such a massive moment um, that it really shifted the whole course of my life. And I was like, I have to move back home. I have to figure out what this old back brace was for me, what all those years um, dealing with scoliosis meant to me. And what am I supposed to learn from this? Because obviously my body is telling me something and yeah. I need to listen to it. Yeah. So I moved back home and then just went on this whole journey of trying to understand how our emotions impact our body, how to process emotions. I learned skills for actually processing my feelings um, and learned that that's actually something we all have to learn. You know, it's not just something we're born yeah. um, having a, a, the tools for. So 
yeah, it's been a really, it's been a really interesting journey. I, I went and did yoga teacher training and then I became a massage therapist and then from massage, um, I did the Hakomi training, which is a form of body-based psychotherapy. And that's really what I work with a lot now um, with my clients in using that as a foundation for how we explore these different things that people are dealing with, with scoliosis and in their lives, because really our body is what's feeding so much information to our brains. And our brains are just making sense of everything that our bodies are telling us, right? right? So with the Hakomi method, we actually get a chance to tune into what the body is sharing and then okay. follow its sensations, its knowing, and go from there. So yeah, and then I pull all of that together. And I, a couple of years ago, started offering the work that I do now um, for teenagers and their parents that, have, that are working with scoliosis. Um, and then adults also, that are dealing with everything because it just like it, it was the support that I knew I needed mm-hmm. growing up um and I know that so many people need this kind of support you know because it is it's scoliosis impacts every part of our lives and without learning how to address how it's re- uh, impacting your relationships impacting what you believe you're capable of doing impacting how you feel about yourself, impacting your identity, impacting everything. It's like, there's just so many, so much joy and satisfaction that is available to us that we're missing. It's really interesting that you talk about that. Scoliosis is you don't know what you can't see when you are wearing the brace Mm -hmm. or not wearing the brace Mm -hmm. and you have the curves, but it's under your shirt. Right. Nobody knows what's going on. It's a hidden, it's almost a hidden secret in a way. All the underlying things that are going on under the shirt, Mm -hmm. under the brace, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, as you said, there's like all, it's all these little hidden, I don't want to call them secrets, but just all these little demons, if you will, that we carry with us. And it's really hard to, to get past that. Yeah. Yeah. Get past that. So I wanted to just backtrack for a second. You mentioned before about going back home mm-hmm. and then starting to really rediscover and explore. What was that like for you? What was your process and how did you keep track of it? <sighs> that's a big question. Uh, that's a great question, but it's big. Um, it was hard. It was hard and it was unexpected. It felt. Um, So I personally see scoliosis as being a part of my own spiritual journey as well. And so I had had a bit of a spiritual awakening or an understanding that I am of spirit as well, right? Mm -hmm. When I was in college that I think allowed me to have a certain level of faith in, oh my gosh, all this stuff is mobilizing in me and I need to go figure it out right? So there's a curiosity, there's a faith, and there's the reality of this isn't what I was anticipating for myself after school, um, but it feels important, and I'm going to go see what it's about. And then, you know, when you go home, you, you start to see things, and yourself, your family, your, the environment that you grew up in with new, fresh eyes, 
and you see all the things that previously maybe weren't working or didn't feel good or probably created some sort of pain or um or and also the things that like wow this was really beautiful this is what made me part of who I am this is why I'm curious in that in all of that you know um so it was it was a mixed bag of a lot of different things but it was mostly very challenging because it was suddenly like I'm looking at all of these different dynamics in my family, all these different things that I experienced that I had previously told myself didn't matter, weren't important. I never needed to think about scoliosis again for the rest of my life. Um, you know, and it was just like, I was just pulling out all this stuff. Um, and some of it, you know, was easily transformed in my life and some of it I'm still working on, right? And what, but the, the funny thing is I remember I started working with a therapist and I was like 22, 23 at the time. And I was like, okay, this, I need, I need, um, to deal with A, B and C. And I have six months to deal with it because then I'm going to go back to my, what I had intended to do after school. Okay. <laughs> this is you my know? goal. Let's yeah. make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I've got six months and then I'm going to be done with it. Right. <laughs> um but that's not how the body works right like that's not how our lives work yeah yeah and so another part of what I feel really strongly about is like working at the pace of the body and again sometimes our bodies can metabolize things really fast and sometimes they need a lot of space a lot of time a lot of different experiences to shift gears Mm -hmm. um so yeah does that does that answer your yeah it absolutely does but it's so interesting because you said that it didn't just stop then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's a life process yeah and hopefully we are constantly evolving right you know and and that's what it sounds like to me like that's what you offer like that's what you have discovered within your own story of having scoliosis did you have surgery I did not. Okay. Um, yeah. And yeah, I haven't, I haven't had surgery. Um, I actually, I haven't gotten an x-ray in a while. <laughs> so it's been, it's been about five years since I had my last x-ray, I think, but okay. I think things have pretty much stayed where they've been mm-hmm. um, since I finished wearing the brace. And how do you, how do you cope with life? I mean, how does, how do how do your curves serve you? Yeah, great. Another great question. <laughs> so I really think I really think that um, my body is my my whole relationship with my body has shifted completely because of my back. Right. Well, so let me back up. I believe that, especially in our culture, we are told that our bodies are. <laughs> We're told so many things about our bodies, and none of which I think are helpful um, for understanding who we are as actual people with like desires and dreams and full lives and rich emotional worlds and imaginations and relationships that are meaningful. It's like, can my body work and function um, so that I can make money, so that I can be desirable for a partner, so that I can, you know, live some sort of vision that doesn't 
actually align with my values out there, right? Mm -hmm. So my scoliosis, my relationship to it has really invited me to let go of so many different ideas that have been placed upon me and placed upon, I think, so many people in our culture that don't serve me in terms of how I look at my body and understand the value of it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's been actually one of the biggest gifts of having scoliosis is that it's asked me to let go of all of these really harmful belief systems about how we look at our bodies, you know, um, and, and see them as inherently shameful if they don't look, perform, um, or behave in certain ways. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the foundational piece, I think, of how it serves me. The other thing is that I have, I like looking at the body in terms of different, the different maps of the body. Mm -hmm. um, And like, on energetic and emotional levels, and the different, the different things that different cultures have given us, um, and that science is now supporting as, you know, like, the vagus nerve right like is this this nerve that runs through our whole um body and connects everything and is lighting all these different things up and allowing us to feel all these different things that we previously you know um however many decades ago didn't have a language for understanding Mm -hmm. for right so when I start to have these different sensations in my body or different emotions I like to sort of read the my own maps of my body and understand like what is actually going on here what is my body inviting me to get curious about what is it saying what things in my life do I need to be supporting in different ways and sometimes that's not anything about you know like what I'm eating how I'm exercising or how much sleep I'm getting it's about Mm -hmm. what's happening in this relationship over here that's creating some sort of irritation that's causing an inflammation in this part of me right and because yeah because our spine is the central channel of energy through our body it has so much information available that it's constantly sharing with us right so learning how to tune in to what is happening in my back happening in my stomach happening in my heart space happening in all these in my shoulders like how my neck is feeling like Mm -hmm. there's so much other information besides there's pain or there's not pain available to me um, from this perspective. And I find that it serves me really well. And what it does too, is that it allows me to feel empowered around spaces that feel uncomfortable because I know there's something there for me. Right. It, yeah. I mean, I totally get it. It, Like, it's just a self-acceptance of what's going on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. throughout the system. Yes. yes. And then exploring and investigating it mm-hmm. in the healthiest way possible. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've also done, I mean, you do this now with your clients, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what, what is it like when somebody comes to you and it's, I'm going to say it's a, a, it's a child, obviously, I was going to say it's a daughter. But what is it when what is it like when a fa- when a unit comes to you, a family comes to you and they're like, this is what's going on. Help us. 
How yes. does that, how does that start? How does it proceed? How does it move forward? And how does it continue so that they have the tools to move on their own? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I see the work that I do with teens and families as a little different than the work that I do with adults. So it's less about it's less about doing that sort of like energy, emotional mapping and reading and understanding your body and life in that way. And more about like, how do we, how do we stay connected to the, how do we, how does the teenager, how does the child stay connected to themselves? How do they get to know themselves beyond this diagnosis? How do they make sure that they feel supported in knowing that their scoliosis is not their whole identity? How do they um, how can we get curious about what is your relationship to scoliosis? How does it make you think about yourself? What is, how do you feel about this back brace? What is the resistance you have to wearing it? How does it make you feel when you are wearing it? Um, and, and doing like a full exploration of all these different parts of somebody's life and how this is, um, impacting them. Right. And then making sure that they feel supported right I think that that's like one of the biggest biggest words the biggest things because the truth of the matter is no matter what happens this is still a difficult thing for someone to go through but it I really feel like these things only become traumatic when people feel like they have to go through them alone right so making sure that they have the support and they have um, an experience of what that's like to be held and seen for more than yeah just a scoliosis patient um, is so important, right? And then when I speak to parents, it's I hear so many different frustrations around because I think that there's a there's a divide that happens, right? Like parents feel and they are responsible for their child and their child's health, right? And having to manage that. Meanwhile, a 11 year old, 12 year old, 13 year old is not thinking very far beyond what's happening to me right now. Yeah. Right. And then there is an inherent tension um, that exists partly because of, you know, developmental stuff. Yeah. And um, and so it's like, how can we also see the long game here? Right. That. And, and what does that mean? Right. What is the long game? Right. Like because cer- certain people are like, I really want to avoid my child having surgery and. So we have to like make sure that they're wearing the brace all the time, that they're doing these exercises constantly, you know, blah, 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 all these things, right? And so where I feel really passionate about is like, well, what happens when a child feels like they don't have any say in what's happening to them? What's, what's the long run? What's the end game there, right? How is that going to impact them when they're in their 20s, when they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, you know? What happens when a child shows up to a doctor and everybody's putting their hands all over them and pointing out all the different problems yeah. and not asking them any questions, not telling them what's going on? What how, how, What's the impact of that? Yeah, what's the impact of that uh, when they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, right? Um, or not being able to feel connected to your your yes or your no as a 13 14 15 year old or you know and so I'm thinking like because I know how all of that's impacted me and Mm -hmm. how 
again, these are things that I don't think that anyone had any like malicious intent. Everybody was trying to support me, help me and make sure that my back didn't progress to a certain point. And I think that that is awesome and amazing. And I don't want to deny anybody's good intentions there. But I also know that the impact of not feeling autonomous in my body, not having a say in my treatment, not having um, even an awareness that I had choices as a teenager had huge implications for me as a 20 year old, as a 30 year old even, you know, and, and that's, is really the like the ways that I would like to expand people's vision for how we are working with the realities of treatment around scoliosis for families and teenagers. Which is, I mean, I, you, you were just saying it and I was like, I wish I had that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because I was that little kid who didn't get asked about any of it. Right. You know, and the isolation is isolating. Yeah. And um, it's, it, it was a very different time. There's different decisions being made at that time. But I want to I wanna take that and then I want to jump into going to the, SR, the SRS meeting. Mm-hmm. And how was that brought into that information booth? Mm-hmm. And how was it being surrounded also by other people who have scoliosis, who are professionals, and who maybe don't think about what you do, or they think about it, but they have never been exposed to somebody who brings it to the table in this manner. How was that? So I didn't actually go to the conference sessions, but I did go to a lot of the different um, social events. Okay. So I met a lot of people and (laughs) I got to have a lot of really cool conversations. And um, I talked to Dr. Rigo because um, I had heard that he was really passionate about the sort of m- emotional well-being um, aspect of everything around scoliosis. And he said something to me that I thought was so encouraging and so beautiful um, about how in his work he's seen over and over and over again that the quality of life for someone with scoliosis doesn't really have anything to do with the curvature of their spine, but everything to do with how they approach their diagnosis psychologically and how they come to a place of acceptance and how they deal with the different fears that it brings up in their lives. Say that one more time. Yeah. So the quality of life of someone with scoliosis has nothing to do with the curvature of their spine, but everything to do with how they are approaching their diagnosis psychologically and how they are coming to a place of acceptance or dealing with the different fears in their life right and how he's yeah huge but it's also like not how people are approaching all of this right it's not how they're approaching it because also there is just said this the other day there is google Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there is the internet and you put scoliosis in and you get that one image and you're like, oh, right. and the family unit gets horrified. Right. The yeah. emotional, you're driven by the emotional space that it mm-hmm. brings you to. Yeah. And it is hard to pull out of that. Yeah. 
yeah. because the, the pictures, you can have people in the worst of the worst of curves. Mm -hmm. And visually you think, oh my God. Right. Yeah. But that's not always the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because everyone has a completely different experience with how it impacts them. Right. Yeah. And yeah, Google, Google, Dr. Google is the thing that Dr. Rigo was saying is that he's, he's trying to shift the way that doctors even ask these kinds of questions, you know, when they do intakes with kids, like instead of asking, um, you know, how much pain do you have? Because that's already cast the answer, yes. like you're creating a bias for the answer, right? And instead of asking how much pain, like asking, how do you feel? Because maybe they don't have pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. Change so, the language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, the language that we use around scoliosis and even around our healing or transformation journey um, is so, it's so huge it's so huge for how we actually experience what it is that we are living with i hope that every surgeon that he comes into play with mm -hmm. takes this on because it leads to a whole other conversation like because what you're talking about is shifting paradigms right and changing the way that culture functions and the way that so we see ourselves and who has power yep. in that kind of um, dynamic and who doesn't and yep. who gets their needs met and who doesn't yep. and when you stay in this in this place of like the doctors are more powerful than my own knowing um or the ways that they talk to me you know will increase my chances of making x y or z choices you know like it's just it's so it's it's really deep and there's so much to explore there is there anything else that you would like to share with us that we haven't that we haven't touched um, on I think we've touched on a lot of different things, but just to like, I, when I started this work, I thought I was only going to be working with teenagers and parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And that that was, that was the people that needed the most support. And that was where I was going to be able to serve people to the best of my abilities. And what I've learned is that actually people just like me in their young, early twenties, um, where I was at when I had that like big aha moment about my, you know, back brace and putting it on at night. Like there are so many people that are having these kinds of awakenings and need this support. And then like adults of all ages that I've worked with um, who are at different places in their journey and are ready to deepen an exploration of who they are and what these things mean to them and how they can enrich their lives with different um different understandings of their body and their back and changing the narratives that they have with scoliosis and the language that they're using. So it's been really exciting for me to be able to expand what it is I do and who I work with, um, because there are so many people that I feel like are really hungry for, um, for this kind of exploration. And yeah, so just to be clear that I work with teenagers and parents and also adults of all ages um, that are ready to do a, a little deep dive into these different parts of their lives. You know, it's so much about self-love, self-care, self-exploration to become the best person that you can be mm -hmm. to tackle your own body. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's, that's huge. And especially, and I, I'm going to target it to scoliosis because that's what this podcast is about. Um, for, for those people dealing with that, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I said, Google. Yeah. It's yeah. heaven and hell. And that is, it can be very isolating. And I, mm-hmm. I speak from my own experience as well as my daughter's and changing her dynamic mm-hmm. with her journey of scoliosis. Um, if you had that little girl who came to you, who was Caitlin, mm-hmm. what would you say to her now? I would say to her that she's doing a really, really, really good job of dealing with a very difficult thing. And I know how hard it is for her to be dealing with all of these things, but I see how beautiful she is and how much she cares about her family and her grades and her dreams you know and I would also want her to know that like you're gonna go do it all one day so don't even worry (laughs) that's what I would tell her yeah and that's a message for anybody out there who's as Caitlin has said dealing with scoliosis as a family unit as an individual non-scoliosis related feel free to reach out to Caitlin. You can find her on Instagram under Caitlin Carlson. And she also has a website, which she is going to share with us. Just CaitlinCarlson.com. Okay. Caitlin, I'd like to thank you so much for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It has been so great to talk to you. Really, really appreciate it. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.